If you would like our free newsletters on various religious topics, just send us an email at cdebater at aol.com and free newsletters will be sent to you by mail. Just provide your postal address in your email. The following are samples of some of the newsletters we have available. Does God Believe in Atheists? Part 1 Seventh-day Adventism True or False The Agony of Deceit The Origins of Muhammad's Religion Spiritual Warfare Are Psychic Mediums Communicating with Ghosts or Demonic Spirits? Testimony to the Eternal Godhead, the Trinity. From Tradition to Truth, a Priest's Story. An Evaluation of the Oneness Pentecostal Movement. Mormonism, Counterfeit Christianity. Turn or Burn. Jehovah's Witnesses, Deceived Deceivers. Links to these newsletters can also be found at our website www.biblequery.org Once on the home page, simply click on the menu icon at the upper left-hand corner. Then click on the Newsletters button. Feel free to print them out. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which says to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Wherefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, Because ye despise this word, and trust in oppression and perverseness, and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. Greetings and welcome once again to our program. I'm Larry Wessels, your host. I'm the, the director of Christian Answers, and I want to thank you for joining us today for yet another edition. After about 30 years of this, mm. or more, we're getting too old, Rob, uh, of Christian Answers Presents. I'm uh, with a very special guest uh, that many of our normal routine viewers our longtime viewers 
No, and that's Rob Zins. Rob, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you. Uh-oh. Elbow. Oh, that's right. We're filming this in the middle of the, uh, what do you call it, the coronavirus. Is that right? Did I say that right? Coronavirus. Corona. There it is. Uh, and that's why he did that, in case you wondered. You know, shaking hands now is like, <gasps> right. I kind of forgot. Right. Actually, we are not six feet apart. That's but we're right. going to try to get through this <laughs> if we can. <laughs> so with that said, uh, we're going to do uh, something we haven't done in a while. I've, uh, I've uh, done a series over the years, many, many years, called Unpopular Bible Doctrines. And in fact, uh, for viewers at home, I want you to look at this screen of all the shows we've done in the past which goes probably over a decade ago and up to the present. And as you're looking at this, you can see there on your screen that uh, the very first show, Unpopular Bible Doctrines, number one, The Biblical God No One Wants to Know. That was a show just done by myself. That video there, even though we have almost 800 videos on our YouTube channel, that is our number one most watched video. It's got over 1 million 37,580 views at the time of this recording. And of course, I would say the irony of that is my most popular video is on unpopular Bible doctrines. Right. And that's show number one. And uh, you see it there on the screen. And then uh, show number two is unpopular Bible doctrines. Number two, many Christians are not real. God loves judgment. No forgiveness. Uh, that show and many others, uh, I was doing those shows with Bob L. Ross of Pilgrim Publications mm. out of Pasadena, Texas, and he's one of the number one publishers of the works of Charles Haddon Spurgeon mm. in the world. You'll also learn some things about Spurgeon if you watch those, these shows. But anyway, there you have uh, Unpopular Bible Doctrines number three. God refuses to hear prayers and gives the wicked up to do evil. That's not very popular with many people out there. Uh, unpopular Bible Doctrines number four is about repentance from your sins. You know, a lot of people think you don't have to repent, mm. but uh, they're, they're, they're fatally wrong. There's a false faith, there's fear, bloody animal sacrifices, and there's curses of God. Unpopular Bible Doctrines number five, God hardens unbelievers. Must love God more than family. And God is a God of war. Next, unpopular Bible doctrines number six, military service, Freudian psychology, and psychiatry is a lie. Mm. And that's really unpopular with a lot of people. Unpopular Bible doctrines number seven, God condemns astrology, witchcraft, and sin. No women pastors, or biblically to say it, no women elders allowed. Right. Mm -hmm. Unpopular Bible doctrines number eight, Death and destruction by God. God actually can kill people. Did you know that? God mocks and insults false religions. Unpopular Bible doctrines number nine. God condemns sex by same sex and sex with animals. Commands Bible study. All these things are, in our culture, very unpopular these days. I would think so. Unpopular Bible doctrines number 10. No excuses. God makes people physically deformed. There will be no peace on earth until the Prince of Peace returns. Mm -hmm. Unpopular Bible doctrines number 11, God kills on the spot and shuts the door on those crying out for mercy. 
You have to watch that video to see what I'm talking about. God is a God of mercy and love and mm-hmm. all these things, but people like to talk about that, but they don't like to talk to the talk about the other aspects exactly. that are going on. Unpopular Bible doctrines number twelve: suffering. Jesus doesn't pray for all or the world or all the people. Or he prays for some, defending the faith and miracles. Unpopular Bible doctrines number thirteen. Lazy people condemned by God. You'll find a lot of that in Proverbs. God creates people to be destroyed. That's in uh, Romans chapter 9. Unpopular Bible doctrines number 14. Devils and demon possession are real. People fatally assume they're okay with God no matter what. Mm. Mm. I think that's the most fatal assumption you can make. Unpopular Bible doctrines number 15. The immutability of God, his unchangeableness, versus open theism heresies. Mm. Now, that's a whole show in itself, so I'm not going to go into all that, but I'll leave it to people to watch that video if they want to know more about that. But so here we are, Rob, we have arrived at uh, number, 16. number 16 okay. in this series, and you're my, my special guest on, on that. I wanted to mention also, and before we proceed, just for a moment, that... Uh, for my folks at home, you know, we have these newsletters we always offer to our, our, our viewers free of charge. And you, a much younger Rob Zins, are right on the cover of our very first newsletter we ever did. Who I'm is that guy? Yeah, it says here, Rob Zins, THM, Dallas Theological Seminary, author of Romanism, a speaker, debater, director of a Christian witness to Roman Catholicism. Uh, if you have well, that idea, much is to... true, but I don't know about the picture. You must have dubbed that in. <laughs> I think that picture from like 30 years ago. But anyway, we got this, and then there's this other guy on another one of our newsletters, and he looks kind of young, too. It's Larry Wessels, director, Christian Answers of Austin, Texas, Christian debater, 33 years in Christian ministry, TV broadcasting since 1985. But see... Now it's almost 39 years. I'm, next year will be 40 years. I mean, it went by quick, didn't it? Uh, but Where the, did this it one's go? on uh, popular topics how sovereign is God? See, one thing I specialize in, as I've already proven as we start this show, is I deal in popular stuff because I read the whole Word of God. I take the whole counsel of God. Romans, I mean, not Romans, uh, Acts chapter 20, right. verse 28 and following. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are to use and take everything God has said, you don't just pick and choose what you want. Use it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, so someone pointed out to me on my YouTube uh, channel, on one of my vid- unpopular videos, they said, how come you didn't mention uh, marriage and divorce? and Or I should say divorce and remarriage. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. you know, you, you didn't bring that up in any of your unpopular Bible doctrines. And I, I had to tell the guy, well, you got me. <laughs> I should have I should have included that in the series. Uh, divorce and remarriage. That does seem to be an unpopular subject for a lot of viewers out there. Well, I would think it would be if we're going to consider the scriptures on the subject matter because we have, uh, as you know, a uh, epidemic of divorce and remarriage. And you have to wonder how many Christians have taken into account the full orb picture of the Word of God with regard to the idea of divorce and remarriage. So mm. 
Maybe we can shed some light on the subject by opening up the scriptures and having a discussion on That's this right. very topic. That's right. And, uh, you know, we're here to help people understand the Bible. And if the, if the Bible teaches something that's not popular with your practice, then the practice has to change. And that's the whole reason to bring up these things. Because right. one reason I've always stressed in my ministry unpopular Bible doctrines is because so many preachers out there yeah. don't want to teach them. Yeah. Because it'll affect their pocketbook yeah. and the number of people sitting on their pews. Yeah. You know, they, they're thinking of selfishly themselves. And that's another reason I don't, I, I like expositional preaching, verse by verse preaching right. through the entire book. See, a preacher that does that, he's stuck. Right. He's gonna have he's to. Got the he's got text right to, in front of him. He's gonna have to preach that. But yeah. even though all, see, a lot of these other preachers don't do it that way because they can skip all that stuff, right. right? And so I always wanted to help people. Get all the stuff that all these preachers out there aren't telling people. Right. Uh, well, there are those who have it in front of them, and they become uh, world-class high hurdlers. They go <laughs> right over the top of it, and they're not and they're trying to land on the other side. But I like what you said about Acts chapter 20. Yeah. Because in Acts chapter 20, there the Apostle Paul warns the church that from among them would arise exactly. Exactly. these lecherous, treacherous wolves in sheep clothing who will lead astray the flock of God. That's right. And that's why he wants us to pay attention to the whole counsel of God, mm -hmm. not just create a caricature of God, but let's just lay it on the line, lay it out there, and let's talk about what Scripture has to say in its entirety on any given subject. Amen, and amen. That's, that's, that's all I've ever... Back in the 1980s when I started doing cable access TV around Austin, that's one of my main goals. I'm going, man, there's all these preachers and they're not telling the whole counsel of God. Right. I'm going to get in there yeah. and, and just start doing it. Well, and, it's, a, it's a worthy uh, uh, study. It, and sometimes for those of us who teach the Bible ongoing, it's a terrifying thing because we want to present the Word of God in its entirety. We don't want right. to be biased. We don't want to be slanted. We don't want to have pet peeves. We don't want to ride hobby horses and all those other cliches that talk about people who stay with only what they're comfortable with. We want to get outside of our comfort zone right. when the Scripture takes us outside of our comfort zone. Right, right, probably right. divorce and remarriage is as good a topic as any yes. to take us out of our comfort yes. zone. Yes, and when you consider that, according to some statistics, and people can check me on this, on the Internet, I've seen that the, diver the divorce rate for so-called Christians is about the same as those for non-Christians. See, and that's around 50% yeah. last time I saw yeah, it. Almost half of all marriages end in divorce. Right. It's astounding, and it's harmful, and it's hurtful, and it's, uh, uh, it, it just gives the body of Christ such a smear, such a, a smirch on, on the body mm -hmm. of Christ. Because perhaps this lecture, this talk about it, will help Christians think not just once or twice, but deeply before committing divorce. Yes, yes. That's, that, that would be our goal, to listen to the Word of God. You know, the Lord gives us His Word for our own good. Mm -hmm. And even though it might hurt and sting and be painful, when you read it and say, I can't do that because I want a divorce. I don't like this man or I don't yeah. like this woman. And the emotions are running so high and the other person is this, the other person is that, so forth. And so we're going to get into that why divorce is so popular in our culture. Mm -hmm. But I'm here to say, follow the Word of God. Follow what the Lord says despite your emotions. 
your emotions need to be brought in line with the Word of God. And love is an act. It's an act of faith. And it's a decision. Mm-hmm. The emotions will follow. And mm-hmm. so when we get into this, we're going to see what the Lord had to say about those, first of all, who were trying to trip him up on the question of divorce and remarriage. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. secondly, to zero in on the real problem here mm-hmm. and what Christians ought to be doing about it. Right. Yeah. Now, in my case, in fact, uh, I sent an email out to a lot of people. I finally put it together. I, I, I uh, kind of titled the email, Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen. Because right. in my case, mm. I'm way back in 1980, before I was a Christian, I married, you know, a woman who was born and raised a Roman Catholic. Right. And uh, I, I wasn't born again or saved myself. I was just a very nominal, more mm-hmm. secularized college guy. Right. And uh, one religion seemed as good as the next to me, so I yeah. married her. And, uh, but, it, but about a year later, God had other ideas, and I got born again by the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. It had just changed my entire life. Right, exactly. Uh, all of a sudden now, I'm a believer, and my wife is still in this false religion. Mm-hmm. And then she's really getting mad, and I won't go into all the details because we want to keep this show within a certain time right. limit. Uh, but uh, make a long story short, she gave me absolute... H-E-L-L for about two years, and I thought it was going to end up in divorce. Right, right. Because it does say in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The unbelieving partner. Yeah, if she, she can leave. But see, I'm looking at it like, man, this is so, I'm going through so much trash here in my life because of all this that it'd be so easy to just get rid of her, to divorce her. Right. But I saw in the scripture, I'm, a, I'm the Christian here. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to do that. She needs to leave me. <laughs> right. And so, right. so I, I was just taking the punishment, you know, because right. I didn't see anywhere in the scripture. You couldn't find an out. I couldn't find an out in the yeah. scripture to, yeah. to divorce her. I was stuck. Yeah. I got to, as long as she's willing to, in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, to hang around, to stay. Yeah. I've got to stay right there. And yeah. I just stood there, like, and just took it. Right. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and then by the God, grace of God, you know, she came up with an idea one day for me to debate her two priests that she grew up with. Mm-hmm. And the Lord, by o- his sovereignty, and uh, I knew the Bible. These two priests didn't know hardly anything about the Bible. Mm-hmm. She saw the whole debate, which she set up. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get her out, and then she joined, you know, my church and uh, got water baptized in a creek. Outside the pastor's house. That's water. Of, yep. I mean, full immersion, right? <laughs> I think it is. And that was a total rejection of her sprinkling of water baptism in the Roman Catholic it. Church. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, showing her complete rejection of that former system she was in mm-hmm. and coming to follow the ordinances uh, that are given in the New Testament for true born-again Christians. Yeah. My opinion at that time was everyone who claims to be a Christian must be okay So being a Protestant or Catholic didn't matter at all. To make a long story short, I ended up marrying my wife in the Roman Catholic Church to make her family happy, although I remained a very nominal, almost non-existent Lutheran in name only. Okay, here's the father of the bride and the bride herself. She proceeds to the front of the 
Roman Catholic uh, Student Center at the University of Texas joins the groom, which is me, there with the Roman Catholic priest uh, named Romansky. And uh, he pronounces us man and wife, and we proceed to leave down the aisle, and we are thus married officially in the Roman Catholic Church. After marriage, I attended Roman Catholic services with my wife from time to time because she wanted it that way. And to me, it really didn't make any difference one way or the other. God, however, had other plans for me on May 16, 1981, about a year after we were married. That particular day, I was supernaturally, quote, born again, end quote, by the power of the Holy Spirit, like the Bible talks about. And suddenly, everything in my life was turned upside down. So, anyway, so I came very close to getting a divorce, and I was concerned with the Word of God, so I never got one. Right. But see, now there's all these other people that are claiming to be Christians, mm -hmm. and they're getting divorces for all kinds of unscriptural reasons. Right. Uh, How about we take a look at what the Word says? Yes, yes. Okay. Did you want to start, or you want me to start? Yeah, Larry, I, I think a good place to start, I want to start uh, with the audience and have you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. We're going to read verses 2 through 4, and then we're going to stop there, and we're going to go back to the Old Testament, because I think all of you who have read the New Testament probably understand that our Lord had the answer to this question about divorce, and he answers it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to take a look at Mark, and then we're going to take a look at Matthew. But first, let's read Mark chapter 10, verses 2 through 4. And some Pharisees came up to him, testing him and began to question him whether it was lawful for a man to divorce a wife. And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Now I want to take you back to the Old Testament because there are only two primary passages in the entire Old Testament that deal specifically with this question of writ of divorce. First one we want to read is found in Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. All right, if you can turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, we're going to read about this writ of divorcement. Chapter 24, verse 1 says this, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out from her house and she leaves his house and goes and becomes another man's wife and if the latter husband turns against her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house or if the latter husband dies who took her to be his wife, then the former husband who sent her away is not allowed to take her again to be his wife since she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. So in essence, this portion of scripture says on two occasions, a man can give a certificate of divorce to his wife. The reason given 
for the certificate of divorce is that she has been found with some indecency in her. Now, the overall teaching from Scripture is that divorce is permitted in the Old Testament. It's not commanded, but it's committed. And the cause of divorce is some indecency found in a wife. And here is the problem. Everybody wants to know what the parameters of indecency are when it comes to this writ of divorce. The word used in the Old Testament in connection with this, the Hebrew word, is also found in connection with unclean things, shameful things, and even filthy things. The text that I've just read to you is not specific enough. It doesn't give us a catalog or a list of things that are indecent. Mm -hmm. But it is connected to words such as unclean, shameful, or filthy. The something indecent we think is less than adultery because in the Old Testament, adultery would bring the death penalty That's right. to the woman caught in adultery. Stoning. So in Deuteronomy 22, 20, verse 22, if it's adultery, the woman or the husband is going to be stoned. In the story that I just read to you, the author is more concerned about the original husband trying to get back his divorced wife after she is sent away by the second husband or even if the second husband dies. So what we're seeing here early on in the Old Testament is that if a man has cause, issues a writ of divorcement to his wife and she gets married to another man and he gives her a writ of divorcement, the first husband cannot bring her back. She can't go back to the first husband at all. Even if the second husband dies, she can't go back to the first husband. Okay, that's the story. That's the pericope in the Old Testament. Now there's one other passage that we have to examine a little bit here. Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 22. We're going to be reading in verses 13 through 19 in Deuteronomy 22. We read in verse 13. If any man takes a wife and goes into her and then turns against her and charges her with shameful deeds and publicly defames her and says, I took this woman, but when I came near her, I did not find her a virgin, then the girl's father and her mother shall take and bring out of the evidence of the girl's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. And the girl's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man for a wife, but he turned against her, and behold, he has charged her with shameful deeds. Shameful deeds sounds a lot like finding an indecency in her. And said, I did not find your daughter a virgin. But this is the evidence of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the garment before the elders of the city. So the elders of that city shall take the man and chastise him. And they shall fine him a hundred shekels of silver and give it to the girl's father because he publicly defamed a virgin of Israel and she shall remain his wife. He cannot divorce her all of his days. Now, in this case, he wanted to give her rid of divorcement. He charged her with something. She was found innocent. He was fined and said, she stays as your wife. You cannot divorce her all of your days. Well, this begs the question, 
What about down the line if he finds something indecent in her and it's real? Mm -hmm. He's not making a mistake. She has an affair with another man. She commits adultery. Mm -hmm. Can he not divorce her then? The text doesn't answer that question. When the text says she shall remain his wife, he cannot divorce her all his days. I think the assumption is unless she does something worthy of a writ of divorcement. Although there would be those who will look at the text and say, nope, she could try to kill him. She could club him to death while he's in her sleep. I mean, in his sleep, close to death. She could have adultery with four or five men, but he's never, ever allowed to divorce because they want to take a literal stance on this. Mm -hmm. And some people just need to have that stance because mm -hmm. they want something in black and white that they can hang on to. Yeah. Okay? So we're looking at the Old Testament. We see these two stories, and what do we conclude? Well, the first thing is that Moses permitted it. He didn't command it. The second thing, it has to be something indecent pretty sound, pretty solid, well-known, well-understood in the Israeli community. Thirdly, we read a story about a man falsely accusing his wife. She's found innocent, and the text says he cannot divorce her all his days. It doesn't answer the question, what if she does this? What if she does that? So that's left up to us a little bit. And I want to introduce this uh, to the audience, Larry, because when we come back to Mark chapter 10, Jesus knows these passages better than we do. Mm -hmm. And the Pharisees know these passages. Mm -hmm. They are schooled in them. Mm -hmm. So they're testing him, and they're mm -hmm. trying to get a definitive answer on this. Well, we're not going to get much of a definitive answer from the Old Testament. Let's do what Jesus says in advance. Turn back to, to, to Mark chapter 10. We're going to get the answer from Jesus based upon our understanding of the Old Testament. And here's his answer. In Mark chapter 10, verse 5, Jesus says, It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Jesus has made a statement here, and it looks like it's a final statement. Mm -hmm. He has said specifically, if anyone divorces his wife and marries another woman, commits adultery. So we come to this as New Covenant Christians, New Covenant Christians, scholars, mm. theologians trying to put all this together and we have to ask the question is Jesus leaving out the writ of divorcement? Is he closing that loophole that 
the Old Testament had? Is he saying, I'm the new law, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I'm the new haras, and I'm telling you, this is the way it's going to be from now on. If anyone divorces his wife, marries another woman, commits adultery against her. If she divorces her husband, marries another man, she commits adultery. Case closed, that's it, no adultery for any reason whatsoever. He's aware of Deuteronomy. He's aware of those passages. And it seems to be that he's answering in Mark 10, 2 through 12, that's it. And he also brings in the fact that what goes for the man goes for the woman too. Mm -hmm. Old Testament doesn't say anything about a woman divorcing her husband with a writ of divorcement. Mm -hmm. Jesus answers and he brings in the woman at this point. So we have to ask the question, is there no reason for divorce then? Is this what the Lord is teaching? If there's no exception given, if there's no writ of divorcement, if there's no analyzation of some shameful thing or what Deuteronomy says, some indecency found in his wife, what is the teaching here? And Larry, if we only had Mark, mm -hmm. that might be our answer. But we don't, just, right, and you're fully aware, aware that we right. don't have Mark. Okay, right. and I want, the, I want the audience to track with us now. We don't just have the recording of Mark. We also have on this very, very sensitive topping, the Gospel of Matthew. Now I want you to turn to the book of Matthew. And we're going to find in the book of Matthew in chapter 19 and in chapter 5 what are called the exception clauses to the writ of divorce that would be more in line with what the Old Testament says about the writ of divorce. Matthew chapter 19 then, verse 3, same kind of story unfolded before us. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Matthew adds, for any and every reason. Mark didn't put that in there, but you can see now this is going to be another test. Jesus knew this was a temptation or a test about the law. Is it lawful to divorce for every cause, any and every reason? Jesus answers, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Take note, Jesus gives the same answer appealing to Genesis when it comes to marriage. Mm -hmm. Exact same answer. The sanctity of marriage is tied in with the creation of mankind. God created male and female for one another. Genesis 1.27 is answered in Genesis 2.23 and 24. This is how God created things to be. A husband, a wife, a man and a woman. The, the woman was created to be man's spiritual helper, his helpmate, so forth and so on. So this idea of marriage is to be permanent together, and, he, and he, there's no mistaking it. So they then, in Matthew's commentary, ask him the same question. Why then, verse 7, did Moses command that it was okay that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replies, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. 
whether or not it's the male heart or the female heart, divorce is permitted in the Old Testament because of the hardness of heart. Sin is so sickening, so putrid, it's so suffocating and utterly indecent, whether it be found in a man or a woman, divorce was preferred over marriage in the Old Testament in the two passages that we referred to. But Jesus goes on to say, but it was not this way from the beginning. And now here comes our exception. Mm -hmm. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness, that's the New International Version translation of the word that's used in the Greek. The word that's used in the Greek is pornea. P-O-R-N-E-I-A, pornea. If I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for pornea and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. So if a husband is married to his wife, he commits adultery if he divorces her for anything other than pornea. Another question we have now of the text, right? Mm -hmm. What is pornea? <laughs> We're going to get into this. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the Old Testament, we ask the question, what is finding something in his wife that is indecent? Now we're going to have to, have to wrestle with the question, what is pornea? Before we get into this, there's another question we're going to have to ask, and that's this. Are there any other reasons? We ask that question of the Old Testament. Is there any other reason other than indecency? How far does this go? What is indecency? What is it related to? These kinds of specific answers are not given to us, either in the Old Testament. I think we're going to find it's a little bit more clear in the New Testament, maybe. Well, now, I had a woman at the, uh, where, where I work at night uh, who came to me. A lot of the people I work with all know I'm kind of a preacher, evangelist, so they come up asking me, Things, right. But, anybody uh, who teaches the Word of God, anybody who's involved is right, going to get right. asked this question. Yes. Right. So I, she comes up and she's complaining about her husband. And mm -hmm. she thinks she's going to separate from him and she's going to divorce him. And I said, what are your grounds for divorce? Right. That you would do such a thing? Mm -hmm. She says, well, and she goes on to say, well, you know, he doesn't take out the trash. He makes me take out the trash. You know, he yeah. he spends all this money eating out right. uh, instead of eating, you know, going to a cheaper lifestyle. Instead, he goes to these restaurants, spends all this money. And it was along those lines that she was going to divorce him. Right. Uh, <laughs> and where do you begin with that? Well, I think a good place to begin is, look, all right, you're saying these are valid reasons for divorce. Mm -hmm. The Old Testament says no, those aren't valid reasons. Mm -hmm. Unless you can say to me that you have done this, you have found an indecency 
in your husband, and that word indecency is related to shameful things, filthy things, and unclean things mm -hmm. that were well known mm -hmm. in the nation of Israel. Okay, mm -hmm. when you now you're getting close. You're getting close. All right, but if you move to the New Testament, my friend, and you note Matthew chapter uh, 19, which we just read, and Matthew 5, which I want to read now. Turn to Matthew 5:31 and 32. The Lord says in Matthew 5, 31, It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for the matter of pornea, that's a literal translation, except for the matter of pornea, the, new, the NIV translated except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress if she remarries, and anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. So if a husband frivolously causes her and her new husband, should she marry again, if he frivolously divorces her, they are both committing adultery because she is not biblically divorced. She is still his wife. Mm -hmm. So it cuts both ways. Wives can frivolously divorce their husbands and they think that they're through with it, they're clean away, and they're not. They get married, they're committing adultery. Mm -hmm. That would be very unpopular in the Christian See, that's the whole it. point of it being in this series, Unpopular Bible yeah. Doctrines, yeah. because people just think, oh, like, went to a justice of the peace, we got a, you know, a divorce on frivolous terms. Right. So now they're free under the, the, the state and government laws. If but they, before God, it's a different story. That's right. She is not biblically divorced from her husband, and he is not biblically divorced from his wife, and they're just compounding the sin should they get remarried. They're committing adultery again and again and again. Mm -hmm. All right. They're outside of God's revealed will. Now, let's bring this up. He, uh, the guy gets, he's not trying to get divorced, but she divorces him frivolously. Right. And it's not a scriptural divorce. Right. So it's not valid. Right. But... Let's say the one the the guy was a believer and she wasn't. Right. So she's left him and divorced we're, him. We're going to get to that. Okay. All right. We're going to get to it. I promise you. Okay. We're going to get to that. Let's, Let's do move it. forward. I want to talk a little bit before we get into Paul's comments. I want to talk a little bit about the word pornea. Okay. Because this is a term that is used in the New Testament quite often. So if you're out there taking notes, I'm going to give you some biblical parameters. The English equivalent, according to Bauer, Art, and Gingrich, which is a Greek dictionary, the English equivalent that they give us for pornea is prostitution, unchastity, fornication of every kind, and all unlawful sexual intercourse. So if we're talking pornea, you can pretty much put it in this box of unlawful sexual intercourse. Prostitution, unchastity, fornication, every kind of unlawful sexual intercourse. That's our first thoughts when it comes mm -hmm. to pornea. In response to uh, Jesus, the Pharisees claimed that they were not born of pornea in John 8, 41. They consider their births to be legitimate, whether they're spiritual children or physical children, they said, we are not born of pornea. 
They were basically calling Jesus a bastard. They were calling him unclean. Mm-hmm. Unclean. Uh, they probably would have put him in the category of uh, going back to Deuteronomy. Uh, they found an indecency in him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're saying they're clean, he's dirty. Mm-hmm. All right. At the Council of Jerusalem, the apostles send a letter to believing Gentiles instructing them to abstain from pornea. So here are believing Jews, Christian Jews, telling Gentile Christians, abstain from pornea. Mm-hmm. So those receiving the letter must have known what pornea was, and we've got a good idea. Prostitution, unchastity, fornication, every kind of unlawful sexual mm-hmm. intercourse. In 1 Corinthians 5, the apostle addresses the issue of a man having his father's wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. Paul calls this relationship pornea to such an extent it was unheard of even among the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. So now it's expanded to a guy having an affair with his father's wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 2 Corinthians... Paul connects pornea with unclean and lewdness. In Galatians, pornea is one of the works of the flesh. Mm-hmm. In Ephesians, Paul connects pornea with impurity, greed, and baseness. So it's kind of expanding mm-hmm. to this idea of uh, sinful activity that even touches beyond sexual, mm-hmm. but something that is greedy, baseness. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul demands that Christians abstain from passion, lust, and pornea. So it's written throughout the New Testament as Mm. the forbidden sin. So if you're going to divorce your wife, all you men out there, you Christian men, you better have it straight. But let me say this. God hates divorce. And That's Malachi whole, two sixteen. The 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 whole emphasis of Jesus' answer again and again and again is in the beginning it was not so. Moses gave the writ of divorcement because of the hardness of your hearts. Now I'm saying in this situation mm-hmm. that a man can have biblical grounds for divorce and have the hardest heart in the world. Mm-hmm. His heart is hard because he wants to divorce his wife and he's literally hoping he can find her in pornea. Mm-hmm. A woman could want to divorce her husband, as you say, mm-hmm. for all these other reasons. And she may find out that her husband had an affair. I got it. He's having an affair. Mm-hmm. I'm free. I'm clear. It's pornea. I'm divorcing this guy. And can't you see that Jesus is saying to both of them, This is sin on both your parts. You both are hard-hearted. You both are hating each other. You both want a divorce. And I'm telling you that I hate divorce. Mm -hmm. It's the court of last resort. Mm -hmm. I'd even go so far as to say, yeah, except for pornea, but Jesus, I I have to understand that the Lord is saying, work it out. Mm -hmm. Don't get divorced. By by all means, that's the main thing, you know. I mean, I personal experience, two years, the, heavy, the devil throws everything at you, yeah. especially after you sell out for Jesus. Yeah. He's going to test you exactly. to see if you were really going to sell out to Jesus or are you going to throw up the white flag. 
And uh, boy, did I get tempted to just, let me get out of this mess. This is driving me nuts. There's not a man alive or a woman alive who's been married for any period of time that mm-hmm. has not considered, I'm done with this yeah. guy. I'm done yeah. with this woman. We can't do it. We can't make it. We can't put this thing together. It's too hard. It's too difficult. He does this. He does that. She does this. And you know, it's all sin. Mm-hmm. It's sin in the sense that it's selfishness. Yes. And that's why I've asked uh, the audience to consider following the Word of God no matter what you feel. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, there are incidences, I'm sure, where there is a failure on the part of one or the other to try to work it out, to want to get out. What if the man is committing adultery and says to the wife, screw you? I'm going to be with her no matter what you say, no matter what you try. I'm not willing to work this thing out. You don't divorce me. I'll divorce you. Her answer is, then you're going to have to divorce me. Mm -hmm. I'm not in it for divorce. And he probably will. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's awful. But see, if the Christian community could just take a breath and step back and say, it's not an option. Mm -hmm. Stop looking for the option. Mm -hmm. And the option if it were only Mark, would have been no option. Mm-hmm. But we've got this pornea option that the Lord's giving. And I'm, I'm guessing in the big picture that pornea falls in the same category because of the hardness of your heart. Mm-hmm. It is permitted. I'm not commanding it. Mm-hmm. And it's not to be so. Okay. Now, I think Mark sums it up in Mark chapter 7, verse 20. This important passage for all of you out there who are even considering divorce. Mark 7, verse 20 says, The Lord went on saying, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality. And that word pornea is the word translated sexual immorality. Out of a man's heart, Come evil thoughts, pornea, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Do you understand that? It's not what your wife does. It's you. It's not what your husband does. It's you. If you're looking for a way out, you've already lost the first battle. Divorce is never an option. Say it over and over and over again. Because this, even your response to what your husband or your wife does, sexual immorality, pornea, it's not due to her. Jesus says it comes out of your own heart. It's, you can't blame your wife when you go out and have an affair when you find out that she has an affair. It's your own stinking heart that did that. That's where it's arising from. And that's what our Lord meant when he said it's because of sin. Mm -hmm. And it could be the sin of the male or the female. Or both. Or both. Now let's move toward uh, the Apostle Paul weighing in on this question, okay? Now I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to read verses 10 and 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul's the writer. He's addressing this epistle to the church at Corinth. And in verse 10 he says... To the married, I give this command. Not I, but the Lord. In other words, 
when he says, not I, but the Lord, he's got the backdrop of the Lord's teaching on this, okay? A wife, and we're assuming a believing wife, must not separate from her husband. Then we put in parentheses, Paul doesn't put except for pornea, but we've already got the except for pornea, mm -hmm. so I'm going to put it in parentheses next to this statement, right? Okay, a wife, assume believing wife, must not separate from her husband, parentheses, except for pernia, that's already been stated. But if she does, except for pernia, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. That's unpopular. Except for pernia. That's All very right. unpopular what you just said. I know. So let's take the pernia out of it. I added the pornea right. because the first, if I make this concrete, mm -hmm. somebody's going to add it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So here's what the Apostle Paul says. To the married, I give this command. Not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. That sounds even more unpopular. He's quoting you... Mark. <laughs> Remember at the beginning we went to Mark first? Yeah. No exceptions. Right. There aren't any exceptions. And the only reason why we have to put the exceptions in is because Jesus does in Matthew 5, Matthew mm -hmm. 19. Mm -hmm. If it weren't for that, mm -hmm. no way is Paul condoning Divorce. Right, right. He won't even he won't even think of it. Because God hates divorce. Because God hates divorce. She must remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. Now, somebody's gonna come along and say, a pornea, pornea, pornea. I say, fine. You're looking for a reason. You've got pornea, you've got facts on pornea, you've got proof of it, you hired a private detective, your wife's having an affair, you got pornea. The Lord still hates divorce, and you got to work this thing out. No, I've got grounds. I'm divorcing her. That's right. It's the hardness of your heart. It's exactly what Jesus said. Your heart right. is just as hard as hers. And out of her evil heart came this whole pornea episode that mm -hmm. you're using to catapult you forward. Okay. Yeah. And that's what Christians do. I fear they mm -hmm. do. I fear they're yeah. looking for a reason. Well, you're right. You're yeah. right. I'm just glad when you read that, just the import of just reading it. Yeah. You didn't even have to expound on it. Right. Just but reading. just knowing how people are out there yeah. with their sinful hearts, that was super unpopular. Either way you read it. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I was just glad we we're on a TV screen somewhere we're out there where they when they're throwing rocks or, you know, uh, popcorn bags at the TV set, it right. can't get to us. Right. You know, we're we're safe right. from all that. No, this this is the Apostle Paul. <laughs> now, some have some have taken the next section. 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 16, mm -hmm. to be the Apostle Paul's exception. Okay, mm -hmm. and here's why. Still in your Bibles, I hope. 1 Corinthians 7, we're going to read 12 through 16. To the rest I say this, I, not the Lord. Now just let me stop for a minute. When Paul says, I, not the Lord, he's not diminishing his scope as far as an authoritative apostle. He's simply saying, I can't find what I'm about to say in the background of what Jesus said in his incarnation. Okay? Mm -hmm. It doesn't diminish Paul's authority. He's just saying, I can't find this background information in what Jesus has already said. Okay? Mm -hmm. To the rest I say, not the Lord, I. If any brother has a wife who's not a believer, 
that's your case, mm -hmm. okay? And she is willing to live with him. He must not divorce her. And I hear the echo in the background. Except for pornography. Yeah, I know. We got it. We got it. But Paul's not mentioning that here. He must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer, and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. Yeah, I hear, except for Pornia. Yeah, if you're looking for the excuse. i got to throw it in because they're going to do it. Yeah. They're going to do it. They're going to yeah. throw in the Pornia. Paul says, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. What does he mean by that? Everything a believing wife does, every time she opens the Bible, every time she lives according to the Word of God, every time she exhibits a quiet, healthy, godly spirit, every time she handles her husband in a godly way, every time he sees her praying, mm -hmm. he is being sanctified whether he knows it or not. That's right. She is a sanctifying force in his mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And so, so Paul says... Um, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. By this he is saying, man, the sanctifying effect of a husband, a believing husband on his kids, and the mm -hmm. sanctifying effect of a, of a believing wife on her kids. Right. You see this over and over right. again. My mom, I always saw her with her Bible open. I always saw her reading the scriptures. I always saw her praying in the corner. Mm -hmm. despite my dad. yeah, I, I saw my dad. He took us to church. My mom wouldn't go. She didn't like it. She mm -hmm. thought it was a bunch of religion, but my dad mm -hmm. taught us the scriptures. Yeah, he yeah. read it to us. So this is this whole idea that uh, it's not holy in the intensive, in extensive sense of the word. The word mm -hmm. they are sanctified. They are sanctified in this mm -hmm. sense. Now here's Paul's exception. Verse 15. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. Now, Larry, I have to underline this word bound. That has been the issue of New Covenant, New Testament theologians. Half of them say not bound means let her go, but she's not free to remarry. Mm -hmm. The other half says, well, what do you think not bound means? She's not bound anymore. To be not bound is to be free. And they go back to the earlier part of the Apostle Paul, verse mm -hmm. 10 through 12. She must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of Christians who say a believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances just means he's not bound to stay married to that unbeliever. He's mm -hmm. free of the marriage but he's not free to remarry. You'll have to decide for me on this, okay? Uh, the verse goes on, God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband by that your influence upon him mm -hmm. would be the catalyst, would be the, would be the, uh, the cause of God's supernatural uh, salvation? So, yeah. Or how do you know, husband, whether you will? save your wife. Paul's not saying husbands can save wives or wives can save husbands. He's saying through your influence, God himself maybe have mercy upon your husband or your wife in this situation. The not bound clause is difficult. I personally think that not bound means not bound and I think you're free in this case. I go back to Deuteronomy. You hand your first wife a writ of divorcement, 
She's divorced. It's a writ of divorcement. She gets married. He doesn't mind. It's a writ of divorcement. He's free of her. She's free of him. It seems like she can get remarried. Mm-hmm. But he, she can never remarry him, mm-hmm. even if her husband dies. That's right. So there, there could be a, 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 an appeal back to say to that those passages to say, a uh, woman is not bound or a man is not bound if an unbeliever leaves. And the unbound mm-hmm. means you can remarry. I know of many cases where believing wives have been deserted by their unbelieving husbands. Yeah. And then later on they find a believing man and mm-hmm. they get married. And other mm-hmm. Christians have said, you're committing adultery because mm-hmm. you may be not bound mm-hmm. to that unbelieving man who left you, but you're not free to remarry. So the whole question in 1 Corinthians seven fifteen and 16 is, are you allowed to mm-hmm. remarry? I personally think you are. I know there are uh, good men on both sides of this. What is your Well, in, in that case, I think it comes down to, uh, in, in, like you, I've read all uh, both sides of the issue uh, from Christian theological perspectives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tend to agree with you on this, uh, in that if you are a true born-again Christian and your unbelieving husband or wife has left you mm-hmm. and you've been scripturally divorced, you're not right. bound to that previous husband. Yes. And therefore, because you and you find a, a, a true believing husband or wife that's a born-again Christian, as you are, and you both love the Lord, then I don't see any problem with that. I would see a problem with marrying another unbeliever or something like that. You know, yeah. you're not supposed, uh, to be, supposed to be unequally yoked yeah. with unbelievers, right? right? So, so I'm reading uh, verse 15 in the Greek text here. If, but if the the unbelieving separates him or herself, uh, let him or her be separated. Uh, he is not enslaved. Mm-hmm. So the word not bound there is mm-hmm. the Greek word for slavery. Yeah. It's doulos. Mm-hmm. Uh, has not been enslaved. This so, is your Greek lexicon, right? Yeah, this is the Greek yeah, New yeah. Testament. Uh, Looks like you've had it since seminary. <laughs> <laughs> I had this in the days when we had no money. Ah, Remember I got you. those oh, days? You got it at a half-price book. I was... I, <laughs> Maybe quarter price book, maybe for a nickel at a garage sale somewhere, but it still works. Okay? Yeah, and you got it taped up like my Bible. I was so kidding somebody. Holding it together, very good. I was kidding somebody. You know, as you get older, you tend to maybe have saved more and maybe have a little bit more than you did when you were younger. Yeah. And but does that take us farther away from the Lord? Because remember what Peter said: yeah. "Silver and gold have I not." Right, right, right. Well, as you get older, maybe I could buy a new. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I can well, buy a new Greek text and then... I can't with this Bible here. I've just been... This Bible's like almost uh, 40 years old. It's a part of you. And, and I can't... You can't let it go. Yeah, if I let it go, it's going to fall all over the floor in a million pieces. But Larry, when, I, does, when does a Bible become an idol? I think you really <laughs> need to consider. <laughs> well, you know, one reason I stuffed it like this, I used to do a lot of uh, campus evangelism. Oh, yeah, you got to have those notes. Yeah. And I wanted my notes and everything to be with me because right. when you're out there in the middle of a crowd of students, yeah. you know, uh, and you're preaching and teaching, 
Or I'd go to Jehovah's Witness conventions or Mormon gatherings or wherever I was. I even went to the Muslim mosque over there by the UT campus. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I like to have all my notes, but I guess it got to where I just put too many notes in there. <laughs> but but okay. I definitely got my use out you of this. You got thing. it. That's for <laughs> sure. Well, I want to close this section of our study with a couple of questions, okay? It's naturally uh, going to come to us as men of the Word of God. Somebody somewhere is going to say to you, even so, is pornea the only reason for divorce? Now, that's a serious question mm -hmm. because there are occasions in marriages where men do not get involved with sexual immorality, mm -hmm. but they beat their wives. Mm -hmm. They abandon their wives. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've counseled uh, with uh, people who have told me that they've been involved in family situations where there have been attempted murder. Husband oh. against the wife, wife against the husband. Mm -hmm. Men get involved in uh, serious crime or addictions mm -hmm. and they end up abandoning their wife. Mm -hmm. So as a, as a Christian pastor, teacher, as a counselor from the Word of God, are we willing to say, if I can't connect it to pornea, mm -hmm. then it's invalid. And the woman says, he beats me mm -hmm. every other night. Would, would we say, well, then separate, but no divorce? Or would we say, yeah, pornea is there, and that's what Jesus is focused on, but we've got a not bound here mm -hmm. from Paul mm -hmm. that Jesus didn't even mention this scenario, mm -hmm. does the not bound scenario open the crack in a modern society for legitimate divorces for reasons that maybe can't be so closely connected to Pernia? What do you think about that? Well, I've always thought that there's two real reasons that are, are scripturally accepted. Uh, for divorce, according to what the Word of God says. One is the pornea, you can divorce for that reason, or being abandoned by your unbelieving spouse, they leave you. Right, and what if your believing spouse leaves you? Well, see, now that is, uh, uh, I, I would have real trouble, because I would have to really get into that person to see if they're really a true Christian. Because they may claim to be a Christian, but they may be a fake Christian. And there's so many, so many out there like that that right. are professing Christian. I've been in this in in this particular church where we're at for you know almost 40 years. It seems like everything's 40 years these days. You know, <laughs> you said in one of our videos, I've been in the wilderness 40 years. You know, <laughs> 40 years in the wilderness. Right. Uh, but uh, I have seen so many people fall away. I used to, it's particularly back in the 90s when we started doing television, there's all these people around me and we're helping with the ministry and everything else and so many of them just become apostates. Yeah. Uh, okay. it's, but can you, can, you, can you as a Christian leave the abusive Christian, uh, Christian in name only? Uh, uh, somebody who says he's a Christian but he keeps beating his wife. See, now that's unbiblical. I mean, he's not... He's not acting as a 
true Christian would right. act. I would have to judge him. Jesus said you could, in Matthew 7, you will know them by their right. works. So you, you say, can judge you, you people. You would say, well, he's not a believer. But well, I'd have to have a lot of evidence. Right. But then if, but if I you, see a lot of evidence, then I'll make a judgment. But even so, if you said he's not a believer and you're, and you're a woman and you are a believer, can the believer leave the unbeliever if the unbeliever is beating her? I think so, because in order to preserve her life and protect herself, I'm not saying divorce. I'm just saying she's going to have separation. To, yeah, separation. Get yeah. somewhere else where she's not beaten up every day. Yeah, this uh, is this is why this is such a, a difficult, difficult question because I, I've had women who want to divorce their husbands, men who want to divorce their wives, and they come to me and they say, "He's not a Christian. What makes you think he's a Christian?" Mm-hmm. I, it's not like two Christians getting a divorce. Right. He's not, or, or they, he'll say, she's not a Christian. You mm-hmm. think she's a Christian? Mm-hmm. No way. Mm-hmm. She's an unbeliever. And so I say, but in the word, in 1 Corinthians 7, it's if the unbeliever leaves. It's not if mm-hmm. the believer leaves. Right. Just like you stayed with your wife because right. you said, I'm not, I can't leave her. Yeah, I no can't. No matter how bad she is. I stay right is, there. You <laughs> stayed the right there because the I word stayed. said I only the... the of, course, of course, my wife is only 4'9", so she would have real trouble beating me up. But she wouldn't have... What if, <laughs> <laughs> I could think of other things she could be right. doing. She could be undermining your marriage. She could be taking all the money. She uh, could be... Yeah. Uh, In her uh, case, she was basically just destroying all my Christian theology work books. Well, <laughs> I know, but things can get uh, pretty pretty uh, desperate oh, yeah. if it's yeah. if it's ugly, right? Yeah. So maybe she's a drug addict, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And that's the big thing in our society: they're drug addict mm-hmm. and they're and they're dangerous. Kenya, Kenya, Kenya. But you've got I, you got know, a lot I, of gray know, area here. That, you do. Uh, so that's that I guess that's difficult. But I'm I'm thinking physical harm, you know, just to protect somebody for for their physical safety. Is, yeah. is excuse enough to just get them out of the same house. Right. Where they could still be married, but just Can they? get her safety. Get, have her moved in with her parents or something. And, uh, yeah. I mean, that's maybe what I would suggest. But so, so the it's, woman, it's the woman who's been treated stuff starts praying for pornea. <laughs> I can't get rid of this guy any other way. So, I mean, well, I have to admit, there were some times in my marriage where I kept hoping she was going to do something that would give me a scriptural Just give me a better reading. But it is tough. It is tough. Uh, hopefully. I mean, uh, the, the little bit of levity we have here doesn't hopefully yes, diminish the seriousness exactly. of this. Exactly. It comes down to the question of not bound in 1 Corinthians 7.15. The definition of pornea, how far can that be expanded and what mm-hmm. in what connection can it be with other kinds yeah. of sins that arise from within, and yeah. uh, is it the only ground of divorce? Must it be an act of sexual infidelity, or could it be abandonment? Could it be abuse? Can we get divorces? It's a hard. It's it's hard for us to answer that question, and and we can only go with the parameters. Yes. I mean. Uh, there's hardness of heart, there's sin, there's a mess, it's awful, it's terrible. Work it out. Divorce is not an option. That's the starting point. Mm-hmm. After that, we realize there are things that are falling apart. And the last question we have for our audience uh, in this particular category okay. Larry, is, is divorce the unpardonable sin? No. No. No, no. it is not. It is not. Mm-hmm. So... 
For those of you who perhaps failed the test of a biblical divorce and you've gone on in your life and you've improved your walk with the Lord, maybe you've been remarried to somebody that is a Christian and you've gone through a terrible experience in divorce, uh, it's not the unpardonable sin. You just have to realize that sin is ugly, it's deceitful, it's wicked, it's pernicious, it's in all of us, and we can make bad mistakes, but it's not unpardonable. It is forgivable, and the Lord has promised if we confess our sins, no matter what they are, no matter how deep they are, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from this kind of unrighteousness. Amen, amen. I'd like to, well, we're out of time now for this show, so we'll save more unpopular Bible doctrines for another time. Popular Bible doctrines? Huh? Popular? Unpopular. There you go. Unpopular. Uh, We'll save some. I had some more I wanted to do, but we're running low on time, so we'll keep it to this one program, and I think it was a good, well-orbed show that covered a lot of ground. I want to leave people with this thought. You can see it on your screen. Question, what does the Bible say about divorce and remarriage? Answer, first of all, no matter what view one takes on the issue of divorce, it is important to remember Malachi 2.16. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. According to the Bible, marriage is a lifelong commitment. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God hath joined together, let no man separate. Matthew 19.6. God realizes, though, that since marriages involve two sinful human beings, divorces are going to occur. In the Old Testament, he laid down some laws in order to protect the rights of divorcees, especially women. Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4. Also, Jesus pointed out that these laws were given because of the hardness of people's hearts, not because such laws were God's desires. Matthew 19.8. Okay, brother, with that, we're out of here. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today. No, it's always a pleasure. Thank uh, you for having yes, me. Yes, uh, one of my favorite guests of all these 30 years over the, the years. All right, with that, I'm Larry Wessels for Christian Answers. Join us again next time for another broadcast of Christian Answers Presents. And remember, John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. God bless you all. If you like our YouTube channel, please subscribe by clicking on the subscribe button and then by also clicking the bell above to get an automatic update whenever we produce another YouTube video for our See Answers TV channel. Please share our videos with your friends and relatives. May God bless you. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. See related videos by tapping or clicking screens.